0: The thirty third chapter of Ezekiel, verse one. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, that the people of the land take a man of their coasts and set him for their watchman. If when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people. Then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet, trumpet and taketh warning. If the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. And then you have those who may neglect it. Now, verse nine, verse seven. So there, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel; therefore thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. When I say to the wicked a man, thou shall surely die if he dost not if he dost not speak six. Speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Now, we mean, maybe, I think, read too much more. Verse 19 But if the wicked turn from his wickedness and do that which is lawful and right, he shall live. Uh, now, look at verse 22. Now the hand of the Lord was upon me in the evening afore he that was escaped came and had opened my mouth until he came to me in the morning and my mouth was opened and I was no more dumb. Now look at the end of the chapter please. Verse 30 Also there son of man the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses and speak one to another Every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord. And they come unto thee as people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people. And they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goes after their covetousness. I want to connect with that the 20th chapter of the book of the Acts. The book of the Acts, chapter 20. This is Paul speaking to the elders at the verse. We we don't want to start to read it all. Uh, Now look, please. Verse 26. Wherefore I take you I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. And that's a reference back to Ezekiel thirty-three that we've been reading from. Uh, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves, unto all the flock, over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which He has purchased with His own blood. For I know this That after my departing departing, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. And of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to throw away disciples after them. Therefore watch, and remember, by the space of three years, I cease not to warn every one night and day with tears. I think that will do. I think you'll see there's the warning there, and doing it with tears. That's all I purpose reading. There's something very precious about the closing chapters of Ezekiel, in this sense. that while the earlier chapters just before this have to do with God's judgment on the nations, when we come to this chapter, the prophet is directing his message to his own people. And as you know, it will ultimately result in the, uh, the instructions relative to the future temple that are given at the end of the book. Now, what we do want to see is this, that there was a special occasion when this prophecy was given. The prophet had been silent for a good while. didn't preach any. and He wasn't retired now, but he was getting messages, but he wasn't preaching to the people. And then there came a, a messenger right from Jerusalem. And it must have taken the messenger about uh, maybe almost 18 months, maybe 16 or 18 months from he left Jerusalem until he got to where Ezekiel was. You know, you you know, airplanes that time and no helicopters and no trains, no buses, no bicycles, nothing, only uh, Shanks' mare as we used to talk about in in country life. Now, that that uh, took a long time. Eventually, the messenger arrived and then the prophet's mouth is opened. You see, if you go back to chapter 3, it is a sort of, his, his tongue was glued and his mouth was closed. But now it's opened. And he's going to give messages directly to his own people. And these are witty tidings for us all uh, to learn. The figure he uses is a very simple one. He says, now, God has a principle of working. That's not unlike what happens in your ordinary cities. He says, in your ordinary cities, if there's danger ahead or even there's no danger, you still make sure that uh, nothing happens to you without knowing about it. So you set a watchman. And when you set a watchman, he's to look out to see if there's any danger coming. And if he sees danger coming, he must warn the city. And if he doesn't, If he warns the city and they take no heed to him, well, that clears he's all right. But if he warns the city, and uh, if he fails to warn the city, and never tells them of the coming danger, he has failed in his work, and he'll be responsible. In other words, when the watchman had his job done, he either saved the people, or he saved himself. You see, the thing is very solemn. Now, that's that's the figure. Then the Lord turns to Ezekiel and he says, Now I have set thee a watchman. This is not the city setting a man to look after its welfare, but this is God setting a watchman to guard his people and to warn his people and to see coming danger. Now this is a weighty matter for us all to consider. That it is God's intention that God's dear people would have those uh, with uh, clear sight, with good vision, that you see things. And when they see danger, they can tell the people that it's coming. You know, quite a lot of us, you know, use the old finger again of country life, they shut the door when the horse has, uh, has broke out. But that's a bit late. And nearly any of us, even the simplest child of God, can see the thing when it's over. You don't need to be spiritual for that. But what the Lord wants us to know is this, that if there's danger about, and if there's something coming that needs to be attended to, he expects us to foresee it by his inspiration, his directing our minds, and his opening up our thoughts. And he expects us to warn of coming danger. Now that is very solemn. Because he he, he doesn't just merely want it to to be done well if we'd like to do it. Or that it would be nice to do it. Or because it's something that would just be suitable to us and we're very suited to it. That would be a very um, poor reason. The need is there. And the living God knows the need is there. And the living God puts men in responsibility to face the need and to answer to the need, so that it's not a surprise to him what's coming, and it should not be a surprise to the people what is coming. Now that leads us into a whole lot of truth that we need to think about. First of all, the importance of warning sinners. Now, I know that the popular thing would just be a nice gospel service. But never Nice. And a lovely gospel message, isn't good? You'd like to do that. And I hope and trust the Lord does help you to tell out the gospel. Don't be merely making it one-sided. Let us have it. But mind you, I do fear now. I do fear that we have lost a good deal of the solemnity of eternity. And we have lost a good deal of the seriousness in our gospel preaching that there should be. Did you know that a series of meetings could nearly pass now and there wouldn't be a tear in a and sigh, And there wouldn't be a sad heart. What's wrong? We haven't seen. God's sake. so somebody have a good pair of spectacles and I can see as well as anybody. Aye, but there's a Satan. sense there. He says, if he see, if he see. He says, I set your watch, ma'am. And a watchman's a man that can see things. He sees them before anybody else sees them. Now look, dear saints of God. Every one of us now. I know the gospel preacher would be especially in mind, But we have seen things the world knows nothing about. Those neighbors of yours and those people you work with and that girl in the office beside you and that workman that works beside you. Remember, he hasn't seen any danger. But God expects you to have seen it and he expects me to have seen it. And he expects us to know that that judgment is surely coming. And as we look out, we can see it gathering. And we can see the clouds gathering. And God would expect us to be a people that will warn the people. And warn them faithfully. Because remember, we, we, we're not taking the gospel as serious as we, as, as we should. Oh, you say, I go down to we wee gospel tracks and I, I, I give them to the people. Please now, don't think I'm making little tracks. I wouldn't do that for the world, and you know I wouldn't. And don't forget that I did give them out when I was younger a wee bit than I am now. I'm not that old, but I was a wee bit younger than I am now. But I want to tell you dear soul, that we should be able to meet individuals, anybody that will talk to us, and tell them of their danger, and tell them of a way of escape. Now, don't you forget this. Now, look, now, in Belfast here, now we don't want to be hard with you. Sure, there's no use of me coming away to scold you in Belfast. You would waste your time to come near me. But mind you, in Belfast, you would need to get wakened up. Don't think me unkind. Because, look, say, if we don't soon see a move of God amongst the unsaved, the assemblies will die out. Oh, you say not. It'll never happen. but well, that's all right. We'll see this in a minute or two, it'll, it'll come later on in our passage, we'll see what we have to think along that line. But you must remember that in Scotland, in England, and in many parts that we don't want to think about, the assemblies are a diminishing in number, and there's hardly a year passing, but one after another is closing. You know why? No gospel effort, no earnest gospel preaching, no warning of the people. Nobody carrying a burden in the heart. Oh, they say we don't want the gospel. Give us minister. Send us a man that knows his Bible. And that's the craze isn't it? And maybe that could get into the north of Ireland. For we could get to the stage where they say, "Of course, they think that we know nothing over here." As you all know that they never give a lurgan, an Irish man a, or a rugged man either any credit for knowing anything. They always think that over here we're just a lot of rocklers at the gospel. But maybe you'd be petty without we'll a go, brother. Hear me now. If you're ever going to see an assembly prosper, keep up the gospel. And that will be serious gospel. Not entertaining the people. Too solemn to think of it. Don't forget that dear soul beside you that you'll be working with tomorrow. will be burning in hell if they die the way they are. Take it serious. And if you speak to them about your soul, even if you have a tear in your eye, it will help to bring it home to them that you believe it's serious. Oh, you say they're very light and flippant. I know that. But don't be telling me that God's not working in their hearts. And that some of them haven't a thought about their show. It's a thrilling thing to me, anyhow, to know that round about here, there are likely shows with whom God is dealing. I hope you can pick them out, and I hope you can contact them. But we need to warn them. And he says, you're to warn them from me. And that's a solemn thing. You don't want me don't me think me unkind, but mind you, brethren, we're getting very slack in the gospel. Look at our prayer meetings. Even before a gospel meeting. Some of us were in meetings here not long ago, and uh, uh, in the prayer meeting there, before the gospel meeting, our brother in his prayers nearly nightly, he would ask for the old people in the nursing home, and those who were sick and sorrowing, and, and those who were in trial. There's nothing wrong with that, brother. But when you come to pray in a gospel meeting, there's big business for eternity. You need the living God to come near to us and waken up the people. For they're perishing in their sins. And if they see us complacent, what thoughts will be in their breast? They'll think there's nothing serious about it. I'm sure you've all, I know you've known me fairly well by now, but most of you have heard me tell my conversion. And you don't know that it happened in one night, as far as anxiety was concerned. But I want to tell you what wakened me. It was the earnest prayers of a few simple Christians. The cry from them was enough to make me feel alarmed. And before I slept that night, the Lord had petted me and saved me. That's seventy odd years ago. Now think about that. Let that into you, dear soul. Now, don't be trying to get these meetings as if they're just ordinary ministry meetings. We want to get down to realities, dear soul. Remember, trumping those streets out there and living beside you and in the very place where you work or where you live or the people you contact, you've always contacted somewhere or other. Remember, they're doomed to eternal fire. Have you seen it yet? Can you see the danger? Is your eyes open? Has God put you there in that very position so that you could be the warning voice to those dear souls before the parish? Oh would you say the bit and listen to me? Isn't that the very point in the passage? They may not, but yet at least you have cleared your skirts. Now you notice the way the apostle handles it. We're connecting the two up together. He says, You know and you test I can testify. That I warned night and day with tears. Night and day with tears. And he says, I am free from the blood. Did you get that? He has definitely Ezekiel thirty three in mind, hasn't he? And those Ephesian elders. He was letting them know that he was free from the blood of those people at Ephesus and those believers. We we'll, we we'll give this another application in a moment or two. I wonder have we thought about that? Have we? Do you ever think, you know, I, 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 like I'm, I'm talking very practical because, uh, I know you don't maybe like practical ministry too well because everybody wants expository ministry. And they want that nice dressed up stuff that you can go home and sleep content when you hear it. I think that we maybe should get a wee bit more solemn these times in our public ministry. But what I, I do want us to know is this, that God in his sovereignty, he says, I set thee." I put you there. You didn't go there accidentally. I put you there. Now I know that that was in a special way through of a prophet. I know that. And I know especially through of the gospel preacher. And I know especially through, as we'll see a short time later, of those in responsibility. But what we do want to get at is we can all be men that can see danger. Now, if you saw somebody, you saw a child running out uh, into a traffic, and you could put your hand on it, you would stop it. You wouldn't let it run no. And if you, if you meet anybody, see anybody in danger, now you must. It comes to sort of, uh, I was going to say, uh, all express it. You'd nearly make a move to try and stop them. And yet, can we believe it, brother? We can sit as content as if all were well, and the world's going down to the pit, and will soon be an eternal fire. Have we lost our sight, brother? Have we lost our vision? Have we seen nothing? Can we not see the sword that's coming and the wrath that's due to a perishing world? Let us get wakened up because it's time that we were awake. The next thing that I want us to see is this. That, uh, that principle that I've mentioned relative to the unsaved is equally applicable to those of us who are saved. Those who have a care for the saints should have their eyes opened. And they shouldn't be waiting until the thing takes place, because that's too late. But they should have their eyes opened so that they can see the danger coming and warn the saints of what's approaching. We live in a very... Changing Maybe you don't like me to say that, but things are changing, aren't they now? They're changing bigly in, in, in many respects. Possibly the younger believers have dangers now that the older ones didn't know much about. And as the standard in the world around us goes down, and it is down, now you can't deny that, the temptation for saints to sort of take it as, as normal would be in their very experience. Now we want you to realise that God would have men that can warn, warning ministry, for accountable to God to warn and to see coming danger, can see workliness creeping in. Wonder hmm? can you see it, brother? Would you see things being introduced into the assembly that you know as well as you're living have no scriptural foundation? Can you see? Or would your sight the poor? Maybe you, if you're a watchman, you can see. And you can see it before it comes. And you could have the saints fortified against it before it arrives. You say, I didn't never thought of that. No, you didn't. Now, the temptation, you must admit the preachers have temptations. You never thought of that lately. Their temptation of all preachers, and I would just be as, as, as susceptible to it as any, is to entertain the Christians. Uh, entertain them so they'll be going home. Now, I don't mean entertain them with, uh, with nonsense. No, no. But with lovely, sublime truth. Lovely, sublime truth. Speak on the priesthood of Christ. and Speak on the priesthood of believers. and Speak on the, the wonderful mysteries of the church. All those lovely truths that will send them home enriched and a whole lot happier than they ever were before. You say, sure, that's the very thing we want. Now says, Paul, now I think that now we're getting back to the same passage, but we're giving it a different application. He says, I warned you every night and day with... And you know that, as he could say of some, as my beloved children, I warn you or exhort you. And Paul felt the burden of them. And he felt the necessity to tell them things that maybe they didn't altogether enjoy. For you know, look, I hope you're wise enough to know this, and sister, you'll be wise enough to know that. You like the truths you're practising. But if anybody touches something that's a contrary to the way you're living, that's a wee bit hurtful. And you must admit that. And you go home maybe a wee bit hurt. And you say, look, that man, he, could have, he should have known his business what way he live. And he should have left that alone. And he should have passed that by. And he should never have mentioned that. It would have made the meeting far sweeter if he had kept that out." Mind you, dear soul, that's very solemn because it shows that there's in our very being a a, a resentment I sometimes say that some ministering brethren they would have written written the first uh, the first three chapters of Ephesians but they would never have written the others Others although they said that's it lovely high lofty truth isn't that sweet isn't that great isn't it lovely I had memories of a very dear brother I'm very fond of him he gave ministry in our town not once did he touch a practical point. Not once now. And yeah, I was listening. You see, you were opposed to him. Not at all. Far from it. He's a close friend of mine. But I watched carefully. Not once did he ever touch a practical point. Oh, you say that's the man we want in, in, in Craigie Street. That's the man we want in Belfast. Don't bring us these other rattlers from the country. They're no good. They're only uh, stirring you up and annoying you. And they would only upset you. We want that lovely stuff. We want it nice. Now tell me this brother. If you were preaching the gospel and had given a very solemn meeting. And an unsaved one going out tells you uh, enjoyed your message. Maybe you don't get too elevated. I hope you're wise enough to know that. I hope you know that. That is to say they took no heed to what you had said. Or they wouldn't have said they enjoyed your message. And you see, many a time, we would rather go to a meeting where we'll enjoy the thing than go to an assembly meeting or to go to a ministry meeting that will search our hearts. Now, says Paul, now do you listen to a dear soul? For mind you, dear Paul, I don't know whether I'd let him into some of the meetings of North of Ireland now or not, but and I think we get into them, most of them. Most of them would let him in. But some of them might not because of the things he believed. At the same time, we want you to understand this. But he says, Now I I warned every one of you, and I kept back nothing. And I declared unto you the whole counsel of God. I didn't ask myself before I gave it, would you enjoy it? I didn't ask myself before I give it, would it be a pleasing would it be a pleasing to your ear? I didn't try to tune in to you to suit your taste. I gave you what you needed. And I gave it without fear. And I warned everyone night and day with tears mind you dear soul I I feel humbled when I speak along these lines because possibly some of the saints who have been turned aside that could have been averted if we had warned them in time now that makes me feel small and I hope it touches all our hearts were we faithful with them were we true to them or did we not notice that there was a danger a danger that they might but caught with and have them fortified against it you notice that again in in this connection either in preaching the gospel or ministering to saints the apostle uh, would fit in perfectly with Ezekiel in this sense he says you're to hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me now that's true of the gospel preacher isn't it he hears the word oh you say surely he's a whole big bible and he gets his headlines and he gets his wee notes and he gets his thing put together and you couldn't preach without some kind of a framework or something like that well you can think of that along that line it's great to get just a message from God now it is we could tell you of experiences that we just had in the mercy of God in former years where definitely we could see that God was working I often think of a young woman who was attending meetings we had Mr. Joe Turpenton who is now in glory was preaching with me at the time and uh I rather had a strange experience with her. I wouldn't have it with very many. And uh, she got off. Uh, I put down the window and she got off the bicycle to speak to me. Well, she says, I, When did you get saved? She says, Who told you you were saved? She says, I, I was sure you were saved. She says, I, I was thanking God for your salvation. She says, I never told you. No one said you didn't or nobody else. But she says, Yes, I got saved last night. She said, I knew that. I knew you got saved wonder do we know anything about that, brethren. Not only only are we interested in things, but we know that God's at work. And we know that we're in touch with him. Mm -hmm. To hear his voice and to have the tidings from the living God. And when we're standing on a platform, whether it's to saints or to sinners, and I hope and trust this proves to be a message tonight for all our hearts here in, in Craigie Street. That we're not just preaching something that's lovely to speak or something that's very intellectual and that shows our intelligence is, is thriving. But are we touching those things that God has put into our hearts? Hmm? God has put into our hearts. And there's another side here that I want to help you. You see, it's just somebody, it's easy for you to stand up there and give us lectures along that lane but the people in Craigie Street and roundabout I'm only thinking of using that term for the locality, the people round about, they don't want the message. They wouldn't heed it. Well, now you read the passage over and you see that God arose for that. And God knows that that may be so. Now, you must be fair. So somebody then, why warn people? Everybody says you're responsible to do the warning. If they don't heed it, that'll be their responsibility. And if they heed it, it will be their salvation. And if you warn it, it will be your salvation. There two salvations in the chapter. Maybe you didn't notice that. He would save his life by being faithful. And they would save their lives and save themselves from judgment if they respond. Wouldn't it be lovely? Now, I've often said it. You know you all can have dreams at times, even on gospel platforms. Wouldn't it be great if everybody that I preach to would be in heaven? I'd be the happiest man in Ireland. If that were so, I think I would have meeting every five minutes or so. I'd, I'd try my best to keep it going all the time. But you see, you're not going to see them. Saying no, we've seen many hearing the message, going away and never, never responding. We can't help that. There's no pleasure that. It's no. It's no joy to us that. But we do want us to see that. The, if while there may be many who will not take in the message. It's ours to tell it. And it's ours to warn them faithfully. And it's ours to be true to them, even though they're not true to themselves. Now, another line of things that comes in in this chapter, maybe you never notice these things, but they're sitting here looking at me in the, on the surface of it. And we're keeping to the surface. There are people, and they came to the prophet, and they're darn hearted. He says our sins are upon us and we're pining away in them. And they're downhearted and they're discouraged. And they say, look, uh, uh, you needn't come to us for the whole thing's a failure. So, you could hear that painting thing, couldn't you, many a time? There's a man away in County, our man, that's a good bit from Belfast, so you're not saying that. You focus at this moment. And he used to tell the preachers, Oh, don't come near here. Nobody wants the gospel here. Get away from here. Don't come near us. We don't want you. The leader in the assembly says, We don't want any meetings here. Everybody else might need them. Go away to the places where they want the gospel, but they don't want it around here. Now, you could be deluded in thinking that. And you could be thinking that there's, there's nobody here cares. And you go around the streets and you look into the people's faces and they neither want to see you nor your wee paper nor your invitation do they listen to it and they wouldn't come near the hall. You might say all that. And we're not going to school you now. Don't misunderstand me. But get a hold of your Bible. It always helps you. Now he says, listen to this. It's one occasion when the Lord, as it were, swears by himself. And he says, as I swear by myself, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Isn't it great, dear soul, to know that the living God has a sympathetic heart for those perishing souls that you're to speak to? And then you can tell them, now, look, God doesn't want you to perish. God doesn't want you to be lost. It's no pleasure to the Almighty to hear the first thud of a soul into the pit. That gives no pleasure to the ear of God. He'd far rather open the doors of heaven and receive them into the mansions bright to the glory above. Dear souls, let us get something of the heart of God into us, as it were. And at the same time that we warn sinners, we have the fact in our minds and stirring in our hearts, where the living God wants to see them saved, and i do my best. And count on him to help me to win them and to see them rescued from danger. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Get a little of that spirit into your soul. And it will cheer you too because you would be getting downhearted and discouraged. And you say to yourself, dear, dear, I've spoken to them so often and they've no response whatever. Not maybe... I would know, maybe say just in passing, it could be that one time they would have no response, and another time when later on maybe God brings them into circumstances. Watch yourselves, dear brethren, for this. God bringing people into circumstances where they'll have an ear and when they'll be glad to listen to you. I could tell you stories, dear soul, I could tell you one man who used to curse and swear and the language he used would have made you shudder. Indeed, one man came into the place where I worked, and he said, see how that floor doesn't drop in with all the language that's going on there? It's the most wicked place you could possibly be been in. You never thought, now to your soul, there came a day when one of the worst, as we might say along that line, that we had the joy of pointing him to Christ. It touches my heart. Mind you, just somebody, were you sure he got saved? I wasn't maybe too sure. But there's a lady now in in Northern Ireland. She says, I held his hand when he was dying. And I haven't the shot of a doubt. He was truly saved. For the things he said made me definitely clear that he was saved. Oh, dear soul, don't lose heart. That's what I want to get at. You might say, Oh, but they're as hard as flint, and I wouldn't look at them. I wouldn't mention things to those fellows who don't care a thing about it. They could be as hard as flint today. But mind you, there's a powerful God who has a powerful hand. And he can move. And he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Get into line with his way of thinking. And that will encourage your heart along that very line. That will make you Really effective in your exercise and prayer. You say, sure, sure, we need to pray for them. We need hardly cry and pray for them. They're, they're, they're so hard they don't want it. Now, that's not right, dear. So get into God's presence and take a little of His spirit and His interest in them into your very breast, and that will be to your profit. Then comes another side of things. You can see that I'm giving it the double version tonight, that is. You can apply that also to saints. For God has no pleasure in their departure from him. And he has no pleasure in them turning aside. And he has no pleasure in anything that would be grieving him. And we can count on God. You see, we're having God beside us in the thing. It's not that we're doing it, but we can count upon God to be working, and God to be stirring, and God to be rousing the hearts of sinners then there's another side of things comes in a sort of complacency here by the people and saying well you know uh, God promised Abraham the land and when he promised him the land he was just one man Uh, I think that's fitting in with Isaiah I called him alone I hope you know what I'm referring to that is he was we might say a lonely man you look at him and Sarah, and you think of their wee baby on her knee, Isaac, and you think of that, and there's what God starts with. And then you think of those people coming out of Egypt with something like two million. Marvellous number increase. And their theory was something like this. Well, you know, we're small now, but we're not as small as Abraham was. And you're going to say, man, that's great theory. And they were just saying, well, we'll just lie back and we'll see what God will do and so on. Now, that's, that's not right. You see, there's many a man would say, well, our assembly used to be quite large. But it's a way down to small numbers. But it's not as small as it was when it started. When it first gathered, there was only maybe 30 in it or maybe 20 in it. And it grew and it grew and it could do the same again. What's a assembly? Isn't that good logic, isn't it? Uh, but don't let that put you to sleep. Don't let that put you to sleep. I don't know how you could work it here, but if you could get a few of the believers to have their hearts so stirred by the energy of the Holy Spirit, it would be amazing the people that would gather in and would get saved. And you'd be amazed, now even amazed, at people who would be inquiring after eternal life. I says somebody, you're a dreamer. Your head must be going off in your old age. Well, it mightn't be as great as it should be, and you sure know have limitations. But uh, uh, these are big things. You see, always get God before you, and let to know that there's a man's heart and God can soften it. There's a woman and she's as bitter as fruit but she can be softened. She can be changed. The living God has power. Let us count on him. Let us see that it's God who works. But remember, don't let the fact that, for, for, that prosperity came in earlier times and that God blessed don't let that put you to sleep and say, "We'll just leave it to God and let him do this. He'll revive it again. He'll bring it all back up again. You might never see it brought up again. Never. Because you see, it could be that God has been grieved and there's been sins. Then I want to think of another thing. For some time in Ezekiel's early preaching, there was a good deal of opposition to him. That's a solemn side of the work of God. No matter what you go to do for the Lord, whether it's caring for the saints or whether it's preaching the gospel, whatever you attempt to do for God, you'll be faced with opposition. Many get downhearted because of that. They think everybody should just be, as it were, drawing them together, and everybody should be just be uh, backing them up. But they'll be faced with opposition. You say, I don't like you to mention that. Well, that is true. But then, you see, there came a time at the end of this chapter when they, they were different. And they were coming to his, his meetings, I would put it to use modern terms, they were coming to listen to him. And they say, man, isn't it it great? Isn't it great? Now listen to this very carefully, because this is the gravest danger of all. Oh, wasn't that a lovely, lovely message you preached, Ezekiel? Uh, It was just like a lovely song. And didn't we enjoy it? It was thrilling to listen to it. Really thrilling to listen to it. And, do you know, Ezekiel, you must be one of the greatest preachers that we have ever heard. Hmm? Do you know what God says? They hear your words, but they won't do them. When they're most favorable to you, they're not even taking in what you say. When they're plastering around you, they're just refusing to take your ministry. It means that's very solemn. That would take the pride out of money, a preacher, wouldn't it? Maybe they'd tell them that was a lovely meeting. Oh, wasn't that precious? Isn't it great to be at a meeting like that? Isn't it lovely to go home from a meeting and your conscience not up disturbed and your, your your heart not stirred and nothing said that would drop rough on your feathers? Isn't it lovely and sweet? I wish we'd have more of that. Isn't that the very thing that we want? Aye, but they won't hear. Hmm? Wonder many in this meeting will take heed to what we've been saying tonight. I wonder if many will really go home now with a burdened heart. Maybe face with it. God has arranged your circumstances. You say, but I'm not much touched. Now, don't tell me anything. I don't want to know anything about your circumstances. God has that arranged. He has you there for a purpose. And you should never rest until you fulfill the purpose for which you're there. And be thankful that that's just the little niche that the eternal God intended you to fill. And that he is in it now. He's with you in it. This is the bit that we want to get at. That you're not doing it just because you have a fool of zeal or because you have a, a, a loud voice or because you're a bit barefaced or anything like that. No, maybe timid. And maybe reserved. And maybe very cautious about what you say. But you could just drop something in guided by the Spirit of God that would be a help to either a, a wandering saint or to a poor lost sinner. You'd get both. Many of God's dear people are out of the way to your of God. Don't think me unkind. You say you'd give them a good hammer and if you got a crack at them, no, I don't do that sort of stuff. That's no good. You won't have a Christian that way. But you could maybe drop a word into their ear. Maybe remind them of happier days maybe tell them of the thoughts that the living God has and maybe you could ask them tenderly and thoughtfully do you really think the way you're living is the way God intended you to live maybe we should all ask ourselves that are we living as God intended us to live I pressed it with a man I'm sure you often hear me mention it I suppose it's 40 years ago maybe or so since I was with him he used to take me out for a walk every day <laughs> he thought a preacher needed a walk he said the one thing about preachers is they sit far too much give them at least a half an hour's walk before lunch I didn't object it was nice to get a nice walk though I wasn't a great man for wasting time as so I thought walking but anyhow he would just have turned around to me maybe on the path So If this were your last day on earth, how would you spend it? That's a searcher, isn't it? I wonder, would we like to see with the Lord to come just and find us as he found us today? Would we be doing anything we just wouldn't want the Lord to see? Mind you, these are big matters. And days go through very quickly. Life ebbs out very fast. May the Lord preserve us faithful to his name. Now, again, let us never forget that we don't serve the Lord because of our successes. It's our responsibility. And the results must be left with him. He's kind. He's good. And yeah, I I don't know whether we have grasped it or not. But there were sisters in one assembly, I'll tell you this, and then I'll stop. And every child of God that was called home, they never ceased praying until that seat was filled. It was usually fairly soon filled. See what's happening here in the city here now, we don't want I'm not unreasonable. I hope I'm not crude. I hope you don't think I am. But one after another has been called home. And I think of the faces that used to look up here for, at me when I was speaking. They're all in glory now. Or nearly all. One after another slips away. You say, why that? Our numbers are going down. wonder what we never think of getting the seats filled. Hmm? And we're never praying about it. We're not burdened about it. Or maybe we just say, that's a hopeless thing. We just let have to let it go. May the Lord speak to it may touch our hearts oh I have set thee I have set thee just set you where you are don't be looking for someplace else just left you where you are and I put you there and you're there for me and I want you to be faithful to me that's what the living God would say and don't forget my sympathy is still with the needy and I still pity for the repentant and even things are not as successful as you would like You'll be accountable for your faithfulness. You'll be accountable for your lack of faithfulness. And everything is serious, and we have no time to lose. May the Lord help us to be faithful. Watchmen while he stays away. Shall we pray?